You're listening to the Winter Interview Series on the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Xmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at xmark.com and Crest Commercial, introducing the 8-Minute Cyber System, the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in commercial battery-powered OPE. Professional landscape can now replace their gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. For more information or to find a Crest dealer near you, visit Crest.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tome. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tome, and this is episode number 448, entitled Interview with Andrew Kaubflesch from uh, the Lawn Barber LLC. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for those questions, comments, and feedback that you guys have been sending through, I really do appreciate that. Just a quick reminder, if you guys uh, want to come on to uh, the uh, podcast during this winter interview series. It's not too late. Uh, just uh, send me a quick DM if you uh, follow me on Instagram, or you can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com and go to the contact page and send me a quick email. There's also a link in the podcast show notes uh, for uh, leaving me a quick voicemail. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to uh, welcome Andrew to the show. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Going, everything's going well. How about you, Julio? How's uh, things on your end? Uh, everything's uh, doing really good. Uh, one of those uh, things, sort of midway through the uh, winter off season at the time of uh, uh, this recording. It's uh, the end of uh, January when we are recording this. Uh, how's uh, the winter been for you? Uh, it's been uh, it's been kind of slow, especially down here in Charleston, South Carolina. It's uh, you know we don't we don't ever see snow. Oh, okay. uh, it's like you know, every time a lunar eclipse comes, whenever that does come, <laughs> that's about a, as much as we see snow down here. So, mm. um, as far as maintenance, lawn maintenance, um, leaves are all falling. There's really not much going on unless there's, you know, just some cleaning up, um, doing cleanups, leaf cleanups, um, cleaning gutters and such. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool, very cool. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty similar here as well. Uh, we uh, had snow uh, about two weeks ago now, uh, and it was like the first snowfall. Um, and uh, so oh, wow. it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and then it's followed by rain after, you know, a day or two, and then it's all all washed away and gone. I was actually uh, getting kind of nervous this year uh, working with Cress. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to try out one of their snow blowers, And I was like, okay, but, you know, I'm on the West Coast. We don't get snow that often, so I can't guarantee, you know, I'll be able to test it. So when it finally uh, was in the forecast that we were going to get a big dumping of snow, I was like, oh, yes, yes, finally, like, I can uh, use this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and get some content because I feel so bad if they uh, you know were to send me something like that and then uh, not uh, able to use it. Uh, so yeah, right. it sounds we're like we're on the same sort of uh, thing where it's like snow is very uh, very um, uh, sparingly uh, here on the west coast. Uh, sounds like uh, for you too uh, uh, going by those lunar eclipses. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah, for sure. So you uh, have been in business now uh, for one year, uh, just over a year. Um, you were last on well, this podcast. Actually, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Actually, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, long. Correct. I'm actually longer than that. Been in business for about four years. Well, well, let me think about it for a second. It's been quite some time. But this actually is uh, just been a transition um, in the past year. This has been the first year full-time in oh, the business. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I get it now. Yeah. So you were last on the, the podcast uh, a year ago in uh, February of 2023 in episode 395. And uh, right. we talked about uh, just how you started lawn care and all that. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to that episode, they can. So in this episode, uh, I thought we would uh, kind of focus on since uh, uh, you have transitioned uh, to having lawn care as your main income now. This is... It, you're you're all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So uh, we'll talk about uh, how that's been going for you. So how uh, was the transition? So just to briefly um, uh, remind people, what were you doing previously? What was the other job? So well, first and foremost, so uh, I've been in business for about I want to say it's four or five years. I, I just can't do the math in my head right now. We just went to a new year, so it's been about four or five years in business. Um, and the past year. It's just been a well. Before the this past year, I've been doing the lawn service on the side as my side hustle, as me and Julio talked last year um, about this time. And my my main job was uh, I was actually working for USPS as a city carrier, and I was okay. doing that for about for about six years, um, working in, in the postal service. Had a full time job, benefits, all that stuff. Uh, health insurance, all the, you know, as people say, and perks and, yep. you know, benefits, well, benefits. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, it's just been a, a battle uh, trying to do that. And, you know, being uh, the lawn service as a side hustle, it's been, it's been tough. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, uh, what ultimately, because being a, a letter carrier um is one of those it seems like a pretty good gig uh as far as uh, you know jobs go to be able to be kind of uh, it's almost kind of uh being your own boss you're you know typically by yourself and out there kind of doing your route and whatever the case may be so what was it about that that uh you didn't like that you wanted to kind of transition to doing the lawn care side full time well the the biggest thing for me in, in that particular job and yes you are right uh most people will say and can agree oh it is a decent paying job but after you see all the you know um taxes and health insurance and all the things that you have to pay out of your paycheck i mean you almost come home with hardly nothing and you can ask almost any postal employee will tell you that um because it's overrated when people say oh i make really good money i mean yeah if you're in for 15 20 years but that's with you know almost any standard job Mm -hmm. but what really pushed me out of it well first and foremost uh, i just want to say that i I, i've just been in a lot of prayer Uh, i'm you know i try to be the best christian i can uh, in my daily walk with god and i just felt god pushing me out of the postal service as i was getting towards the end there last year and I finally said, you know what, 
it, this is the time to do it. Spring rush is coming. Mm-hmm. And I just had to take a leap of faith. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I was really scared. Like, oh, well, I've been uh, in line for, uh, I want to say it was about three and a half years as a um, city care assistant. So you had to work part time and work my way to become a career carrier. So I had to wait in line for people to retire to make it to that spot to be a career carrier. And I waited and then I got there and I was like, Oh, this is, this is not too bad. It, it was a little bit different. I actually had off Sundays, Okay, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're, you're working a schedule where you're working Sunday through Saturday on a rotation. So your, your days would be like Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, uh, Thursday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday. And then you have, and then you have a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every six weeks. So you mm-hmm. get a three day week in every six weeks. Okay. Um, which was which was nice, but it came to the point where they wanted to force us work overtime. You gotta go do extra, and then you're getting out of there at like six, seven, eight. I mean, of course, you're getting paid overtime, but it comes to that point where I was like, you know, I was turned to a monster, and I, I mean, of course, like you said, Julio, you, you're managing your own route. You're almost like your own boss. You're going out there, uh, man, your time management. But the thing is, you're getting paid by the hour. Mm-hmm. So it don't matter if you finish your route, you know, in eight hours or if you finish at nine. But they were all, always monitoring that stuff. You always felt like someone was micromanaging you. You always felt like you had those scanners and they're always falling. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. It was just too much. And it was too stressful. And trying to balance a, a, a lawn business and trying to, um, you know, well, I, I had the position where I had six routes when I left. Okay. Well, was it six or five? It was either five or six routes. So I was on a rotation as a regular carrier, and I was responsible to manage five routes. I would have a different route every day. Okay. So it was, whew, it, it was a lot. And then I always had the regular carrier on that route uh, ask me questions sometimes. Did you do this? Did you do that? And then some days, oh, you feel like you have four or five people in your face, and you're like, I don't need this. It was just, <laughs> oh. It was, it was like, oh my gosh, like I only have one manager and that's all I need. I don't need four or five carriers in my face telling me what I got to do on the route. I mean, it, it, it was too much stress, mm-hmm. way too much stress. And uh, like I said, I, I spent some time in prayer and I just, you know, asked God and I just felt, and, and I heard God tell me, say, hey, it's time for you to go. Just have faith and, you know. And that, that's what a lot of people do that are Christians and, and put their faith in God and, and know that, especially when you're going into a business, you know, I felt like I had enough work built up where I could get out and, um, you know, just keep pushing and let God open each door, if you will, um, at, at every um, opportunity I had. I, I would just try to take it if, if it was something that I felt like it was going to bring revenue in for the business so I could be able to pay myself well and um survive so mm-hmm. yeah yeah sometimes you got to make those uh those changes despite how you know other people might perceive that 
particular position or that job. They don't know the inside uh, part of it that they, you know, what you're dealing with on a daily basis, the, the potential for stress mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, when I was uh, starting out and I was in that uh, lawn care um, franchise system, uh, there was a, a new franchisee that came along um, about a year or so after I was already in there. And he was previously the CEO of the like the one of the local utility companies. And so we're talking like the, the top guy in one of these like like the utility company with the huge, you know, pension and the fancy cars and all that stuff. But the stress was so much that uh, he ended up having a heart attack and stuff. And yep. uh, when he came back from that, he quit and started a lawn care business and mowing lawns, right? And he's like, I just didn't want the stress anymore. I couldn't couldn't deal with it for so many years. It was just way too much much stress. Uh, So I understand uh, that that part of it. Um, Yeah. I hear a a little bird in the background. Is that, are you outside or is that uh, a pet? Yeah, well, I'm outside. Uh, It's it's a little chilly here, but uh, it's... It's, I have a beautiful backyard, so it's uh, you know I'm doing a little office work today and shooting some emails, and I figured I'd step out and uh, you know just enjoy the beautiful outdoors. Uh, and the birds are singing away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I didn't know if it was maybe like a pet parakeet or something like that. It sounded kind of sounded similar. Um, no, we've had our days with those. So uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not anymore. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a lot of work. I, I've had, uh, I've had them as well. Um, yeah. So that transition then last year, uh, that was a big step. What was yep. that conversation like between uh, you and your wife uh, when you're talking like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about leaving uh, this position here and, and doing the lawn care full time? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I liked I liked the uh, one thing that my wife told me and she just she cut it sweet and simple. It was like, you know basically just do uh or you got to choose one that's what she told me you got to choose one and that was just like a, almost like a wise man kind of thing in simple words choose one mm-hmm. and i'm sitting here like you know like you get that feeling when you read a fortune cookie and you're like what does this mean mm-hmm. like that's kind of how i felt at that moment it was like just choose one i was like well okay well <laughs> I, I don't know what to do so that's where you know after after she said that you know, I should have went to God first, but I went, I went to my wife and asked her and then, and I was between her and asking God and I just kept on praying and finally God revealed it to me. So, I mean, it was tough at first trying to, you know, that battle in my mind and in my head to say, Oh, I'm going to leave this job to go in do my, my lawn business. But I kept telling myself, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there and I'll have my freedom. I'll be able to spend time with my family. And, and for me, this is the order I always try to follow. It's hard sometimes, but God, family, and then friends, that's Mm -hmm. how my order falls and then business. So all those go in that order. And, um, and, and I always had trouble trying to take vacations. I always got to get permission Mm -hmm. to go, you know, um, I'm going to take off a week. Uh, and I'm talking about the postal service. Yes. Like, oh, I gotta, uh, get and then I have to wait and sweat bullets. Like, am I going to get it off? Am I going to get it off? And I'm sitting there biting my nails. Like, I really need this week off. I want to go see my family or I want to go, 
vacation with my wife and kids. I want to do this or that. And I'm sitting here like stressed out trying to get time off. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, so that was a tough decision to try to, to make like, well, I'm going to have my freedom, you know, and I'll be able to manage my own schedule, work when I want to work. If I want to go work at six in the morning and work till, you know, nine o'clock that night with flashlights and battery equipment, you know, it, so I don't, not bothering people, which I'm already using a lot of battery equipment anyway. Mm. You know, I, I say, Hey, I think that was, that was just a, a, just a better move overall. And, uh, yeah, some people probably think I'm a little crazy to leave a, a job like that with, with what they call a pension, which I've had conversations with people in the postal service saying they're thinking about trying to get a job when they retire because their pension would probably wouldn't be able to pay enough. And they've mm. been in for 25, 30 years with military service. And it's like, <sighs> that was another, um, click for me as well. Like, uh, just, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. Having that conversation with my wife with all those things in my mind, you know, and then her saying, choose one. I was just trying to juggle all this in my mind. It was like, man, talking about feeling alone on the battlefield. I mean, Mm. it was just, I'm not saying my my wife definitely support me and all that I do, but it was just a, it was a very tough, um, choice. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to kind of, you know, like you said, step out um into that unknown right uh mm-hmm. of that you know there's no guarantee with anything uh, in life right a lot yep. of people confuse having a job with pension and stuff like that as being you know sort of like guaranteed sort of thing but there is no guarantee right they can they can right. ax, ax you tomorrow they can uh, uh outsource your job they can uh, downsize they can there's lots of you That's know, right. things that can happen there's being self-employed i I believe is the best guarantee uh, because you're, sure. you know, you're, you're always going to, you know, be there for yourself. Uh, That's right. Right. Sort of thing. So uh, how was that year knowing, like how much time did you give yourself when you made the decision that you were going to leave? Was it something like you thought, okay, you know, I'm, it just kind of like, you know, that's my, my breaking point, go into work and give them your notice sort of thing. Or did you kind of go, okay, this is the plan for next year. Let me kind of, you know, work this out and give myself a few months to kind of prepare and, and that sort of thing. Or how did you go about that transition? Well, that definitely was something that was a, a, a waiting to happen. And then it was, it was a long, I'm going to be honest, it was a long buildup. Like, the moment, like when I first started the post office, I was like, oh, I'm making decent money. And then I realized, like, when we started to have a little bit of inflation, I was like, wait, I got to find, I got to find, like, a second job. You know, even if I work enough overtime, I'm not going to survive. So I think I would probably say maybe like the second, probably like the second year in, 17, 18, I'm trying to think when that was. Seven. Yeah, probably like the second year in, I realized, you know what? I need a side hustle. And so I just, and that was probably, I want to say probably four or five years back when I first decided to open up, you know, the lawn service. And I said, man, like I, I got to have something. I don't want to do Uber. I don't want to do, you know, these third party apps. I want to do something for myself. And I was like, you know, they always say, find something that you enjoy. So you feel like you're not working a day in your life. So I was like, if I'm going to have a side hustle, I want to enjoy it. And I typed into my route and I said, I've always enjoyed landscaping, but why not always put it on the back burner for so long? 
I mean, I've always enjoyed doing that growing up as a kid. My mom taught me how to mow when I was 13. So I decided to go with that. And then it was like every single year when the spring came, Oh, oh how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? It was just too much work. And then I was like, well, maybe next year I'll do it. And then I, I was just stuck in a wheel, like a, like a gerbil in a wheel. Mm-hmm. And I was just in a rut and I couldn't figure out when was the time to cut the cord with this job. It's like, but at the same time, it was like having a little devil and a little angel on your shoulder, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, go, go. And then, 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 and then the, the devil saying, stay, stay, stay. Like those little cartoons. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of analogy I have in my head. And I'm sitting there like, ah, oh, both of you just get off my shoulder. Like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know, scram. So, um, so yeah, it was just like every year I just kept thinking. And then the more and more I started listening to influencers and podcasts and, and then, you know, when I got into listening to your stuff on, on social media, Keith Calfus and um, Brian's Lawn Maintenance, and, you know, I don't listen to them as much as I used to, um, but uh, that that's something that really pushed me a little bit harder and harder, and then I started to figure stuff out. And then finally, I think um, this, la- this, this last year, coming up into the year, I was like, you know what? I said, you know my family's more important. Um, my wife's more important. Everybody's more important than, than a job. You know, you could die tomorrow. You never know. Cause I know going back to when I was a child, I always say like in the Bible, Jesus say, uh, you're not promised. You're never promised tomorrow. So I said, I mean, why am I sitting there killing myself at this postal job? Cause I was literally about to go postal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I, I decided, you know what? Let me prep my mind for the next couple months. Cause like when, when that Christmas came, was it, uh, not last, last year was 23 and 22 that Christmas came. And I started to think, I said, you know, if I'm going to do it, I better go ahead and do it this coming year. And then when, when the year came, January, February, we're getting close to March. And I said, Oh man, I got to pull the trigger. I got to do it. And, I, and God finally confirmed with me and just said, Hey, Andrew, just, you know, I'm going to take care of you do just make sure you do my will and, and do what you're supposed to as a Christian and try to be the best example as you can. We're not perfect. And so I cut the cord and I just decided I woke up one morning and I said, you know what? I've had enough. I mean, it was just like, think of it as of a, a balloon as it gets bigger and bigger, you blow a little more air, you blow a little more air and you let the balloon sit, you blow a little more air. And it gets bigger and bigger. And finally, I got to the point, and that balloon just got so big, it just exploded. And I said, you know, I'm done. I just, uh, I was I was to the point to where my body was so tired mentally and physically. I just, I didn't even have time. I didn't even have enough energy to take my wife out to go go, go eat dinner. I mean, I was almost falling asleep behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. That's how tired I was. And I said, that's it. I'm done. That's enough. So I cut it, man. And, uh and I, I'm so thankful. And I share my testimony with with uh, almost everybody I can when I'm talking about this in the street with people, because um, that's my I'm a living and walking testimony for my faith and and all that. So, yeah, man, that's awesome. So, with that last year and sort of that decision uh, being made, and and uh, I really resonate with what you were saying there. It's one of those things I always say on the podcast and stuff. People, it's amazing how uh, you get complacent and 
people will take for granted uh, the time mm-hmm. that the time that they have, uh, and just kind of go yep. day by day through the drudgery uh, of you know that can be life sometimes. And uh, I always say, like, you know, I always imagine people like if you're walking through a store or a mall or wherever the case, a sporting event, and you know you're walking and you see all these people around you walking. I always imagine all those people with like a hourglass floating above their head. And the hourglass mm. represents how much time they have left. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you could imagine seeing that, because that's literally what we are. We're all walking around with an hourglass above us, except you just don't know how much sand is left in your hourglass. But what mm-hmm. would you do differently if you did know how much sand was left that's in right. your hourglass, right? Things would be a huge, a huge difference. It would, it, it would be massive. You know, when you, people will um, get, like I said, complacent and they'll uh, take on jobs that maybe they're not making enough money to get by. They're not able to provide for their families effectively. They're having to work more shifts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of accept that when there's so many opportunities out there to do something different. And I always say like, if you were on, your deathbed and something happened maybe you had a terminal illness or something and the doctor said Mm -hmm. you have you know one week left to live would you go to that job for that one week and of course not you'd be like no my time is worth more than that's right than you know 15 dollars an hour whatever this job is paying you uh, to do right you would not trade that last week of time to have with your family and friends and stuff like that for that menial paying job. So what difference does it make? You, you just don't know how much time you have left. It could be tomorrow. That is right. right. So why not do something in the time that you have left that you enjoy and that will give you the maximum return for that time uh, that you're putting in so that you can spend that, you know, other time with friends and, and family and all that stuff like you were saying, right? Having that freedom to be able right. to go on vacations, um, you know, that you like and stuff like that. I always complain um, a little bit about, you know, obviously things come and go. There's costs and stuff involved. I went on vacation mm-hmm. with the family this past summer and uh, it was quite expensive to go to Disneyland with the four, the whole family and stuff for an entire week and stuff. And it was like, man, that's a lot of money. But the crazy thing is that every time we've done it in past years, that's all we talk about is the time we spent together right. on that vacation, right? It's that right. we don't talk about, uh, you know, oh, we bought this new car four years ago. You never talk about that, but we always talk about the vacations and the, the time spent together and how much fun we had and just the memories of that and stuff like that, right? So that quality family time focusing in on stuff like that is stuff you have to really focus on and, you know, kind of get your head out of that. Like you were, you know, with the stress and stuff of doing jobs that you don't really, right. um, you know, kind of just a time suck <laughs> in your life. Oh, right? for sure. Right. It's, it's Oh, yeah. That's so, what it felt like. Mm-hmm. So how did you really kind of buckle down then when you made that decision and you had that kind of fun? Did you make any special kind of preparations for uh, transitioning to full time? Well, um, I mean, as you know, like I, I was, um, well, first and foremost, I wanted to say that I, I looked at this, um, job and I said, could you see yourself doing this for the next 20 years? And I was like, mm, 
and I asked myself five first for the next five years. Mm, I don't know. But then I said 20 and I'm like, no, I thought about all the guys that's retired and how beat up they are, how many shoulder, knee, arm, wrist, hand surgeries they've had from delivering mail and repetitious motion all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, that, that that's one of the biggest factors that pushed me out. Cause I, I'd rather be out here till I'm, you know, God forbid that I don't say up for retirement. I'd rather, if I'm going to die doing something I enjoy, I re- I don't want to be found dead in the mail truck. Cause mm-hmm. that's, that's not something that, you know, I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. you know, at least I'm out here in the lawn, you know, I, I'm, you know, it's my passion. So that's, that's where I'd rather be at than being in a mail truck, um, delivering mail, mm-hmm. um, as I'm working. So, uh, but as far as preparation, like, I mean, like I said, I, I was where there, I remember times and I was thinking about this as you were talking there, there, there have been times where I'd wake up at five in the morning. I'd, I'd bring my uniform with me for the postal service. I'd go out to a property, a commercial property, take care of the lawn. And then I would change my clothes sometimes as I'm driving. Okay. I hope the police aren't listening to this. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I would change my uniform as I'm on the way to my, my job, the postal service, trying to wipe sweat off my brow. And then I would get to, and I'd be awake. Like I just went to the gym. Mm-hmm. I'd be awake, get there by eight, trying to beat through traffic with my trailer pulled behind me. And I have an enclosed trailer, all these tools back there and stuff. And then I get to work. And then when I get off and I'm hoping that I'll be done by a certain time so I could go do some more work when I got off. So with that being said, as far as preparation, I feel like I, I saved up a little bit of money. Now I know they always say when, when you're preparing yourself, when you're doing something like this to transition into any kind of business, um, I've heard you want to save up one year's salary. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't take it to that extreme as far as saving up one year's salary. Yes, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but what did I say, Julio? I put my faith in God because God is going to provide, and as long as I have faith and, you know, I'm doing always doing good to others, God will provide. So I, I saved enough to where I felt like I could make it. And um, as far as prepping myself, as far as the numbers, I know in 2023 – the topic was know your numbers and your, your business. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you to this day, I, I kind of know about my numbers, but I didn't prep myself on the part where I say, I know exactly where I stand. Like how much does it cost me to go out to a job site by the hour running the business? Cause when you leave your, your, your house, um, you know, you're, you're, you, you got it would be nice to know how much it costs you to run your business by the hour. If you want, you know, as far as you know, how much you're making for revenue income. So with that being said, um, I knew I had enough to where I probably could make it through the winter of this year and make it to the spring. And I I knew God would open some doors between then. And he has since, um, you know, the the winter was kind of creeping in and we're trying to slowly get out of the winter here shortly. Um, there have been opportunities to kind of help, um, get me through. So, um, yeah, that was the preparation I took far as financially. And then, you know, mentally, like I said, I, I've been trying to get back more. I've been trying to get more back into church. I want to get more involved with, um, some of the activities at church. I'm actually going to a men's breakfast this week. So preparing myself there spiritually as well, but in all elements and all aspects as far as, um, 
an individual and human being like so that I'm ready for business when spring rush comes. But getting through that first winter, I'm not going to lie, Julio, being prepared for it, it was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like, right, am I going to make it through the winter? Because, you know, we only have a nine-month season here in Charleston, yeah. nine to ten months, depending on what kind of grass is growing and how many trees a person has on their property to, for leaf cleanups and such. So, um, yeah, <laughs> preparation was, like I said, definitely a, a, it was risky and it was scary, but nothing's impossible. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. So uh, I'm just going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll get back right into it right after this. So stay tuned. Choosing the right equipment also means getting service and support you can trust. Hi, it's Michelle with the Xmart customer service team. We are committed to giving you the expert technical support necessary to keep your equipment performing at its best. Reach us by phone, email, or social media on any weekday, and we will respond quickly with advice you can trust because it comes straight from the folks who built your machines. Visit xmark.com to learn about Xmark's industry-leading service and parts support. Cress is leading the transition from gas-powered lawn equipment for professional use with the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in battery-powered OPE. The Cress 8-Minute Cyber System allows Cress-made 60-volt batteries to fully charge in 8 minutes or less. Now, professional landscapers can replace their gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. And with a full line of equipment benchmarked against gas-powered products, landscapers can finally Take charge of their business and make the switch to battery. For more information or to find a dealer near you, visit Cress.com. Cress, we power the professionals. All right. So you survived that uh, first winter going into uh, that first year of uh, being um, full-time in your lawn care business. So once the season finally did get started uh and you were like this was all or nothing now um what did you do differently did you like in terms of like marketing and trying to get uh clients to fill up uh that extra space because obviously now you would have uh a big gap in the middle of the day where you would normally be doing a, a letter carrier route where you didn't have to do that anymore so how did you yep. uh how did you make that transition to try to fill that time great great Great, great, great question. Um, well, I, I'm, it was it was kind of dumb on my part as far as marketing. I feel like I could have done a little bit better. I know they always say, like, even if you're kind of busy, always market yourself because you never know if some work might drop off. Um, and then, you know, um, then you have the marketing to kick in to help draw in more possible clientele. So I didn't use my marketing like I should have. I got a little bit busy. I started picking up some projects here and there. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. I, I, I'm going cross-sided. And I need help. I mean, I didn't get that busy, but I was at the point where I was getting, you know, a, a um, sufficient amount of projects to uh, bring in revenue and stash and stash. And God opened a lot of doors, like a lot of commercial projects and um some cleanups and, uh, you know, took on some different, like I said, commercial properties and stuff. Um, so yeah, it, uh, the schedule was starting to fill up a little bit and then I was focusing on the YouTube stuff to help promote different, um, tools that I'm using. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else I, I got into, uh, 
Ah, I remember what I was going to say. There was, there was one property. I had a commercial property. I had this one school, and they ended up uh, hiring the people uh, hourly. They ended up hiring a person for HVAC. And I mean, I'm talking about this school probably has, I want to say, three, four acres maybe. Mm-hmm. And they end up hiring someone hourly to, like, fix the AC, to, you know, basically like the handyman around the, the okay. campus or yeah, around yeah. the school. Yeah. And... And so instead of you know, continuing service with me, they did that. And they did that like right in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was so frustrated because this was a weekly account. It was a good paying account. Um, and it, it happened right around the time my, my mom was, she was in the hot, she got administered to the hospital because she had some sort of health condition going on with, with her uh, heart or something. So I, I had to. Uh, take off to go out of state to Georgia to see her and see about her. And then when I was coming back, when I was getting ready to come back to um, Charleston, um, I got, I got the the call from the school and said, we're, we're um, discontinuing services at the end of the month. And I, I freaked out. So mm-hmm. um, it happens It's part of the business. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's those things that you, those lessons that you pick up along the way. Uh, I always talk about doing my quotes um, and how I do them always in writing now and do them over email yep. so that it forces that person to respond by email so that I've got written. The jobber. Rec- That's what I'm using. Okay, yeah. So you've got like a written yep. record of it showing that, yes, they accepted the quote yep. and stuff like that. But I always talk about always including all of my like terms of service and all the different policies and stuff so that there's no surprises sure. if at the end of the month. Yep. I add, uh, you know, surcharges for maybe uh, dog waste not being picked up or, uh, you know, stuff covering the lawn oh, wow. or whatever the case may be. Uh, and every year, even, you know, 18 years into it, I'm always changing and tweaking those policies as things come along. Last year was the first year I had a cancellation policy in 18 years. And it was because of what mm. you were talking about. Um, I started to see this trend of uh, new clients that would hire me in the spring and then come to uh-huh. the summer drought, they would cancel service. And it was like, well, oh, no. it was like, well, that doesn't work because I can only offer, you know, a limited amount of spots uh, for a year being, you know, just a solo operator. There's only so many lawns sure. I can mow. And I always got to take in consideration the fall cleanups and the time that's going to take when that time arrives. So yep. if I'm committing to a person's property, um, you know, I'm, that means I'm saying no to another potential client once that schedule fills up. And sure. if that client is then canceling a few months later because the lawn may not be growing as quickly, and I potentially said no to a client who was looking for full service all year long, then that's a problem. <clears throat> so I started adding cancellation policies because of that. For one, to weed out those customers that are just looking for that short term, but also... Yep. Uh, I had situations where clients were like, uh, one would uh, would want to cancel, and I was like, okay, that's fine, you can cancel. Just remember, you agreed to a cancellation policy, and they're like, oh, I did, and then they like look back at their email and go, oh, okay, yeah, no, never mind, just just keep going, <laughs> just keep doing it, right? And it's like, oh my god, right? So it's mm-hmm. like it, it pre- prevented a <laughs> bunch of stuff like that, right? So maybe something you might want to implement uh, in the future as well is a, a cancellation policy. That just kind of uh, prevents those mid seasons. I don't. I don't uh, obviously uh, charge people cancellation sure. policy if they cancel in the off season, um, but during the actual 
lawn care season, then uh, that cancel, uh, cancellation policy would apply if they're trying to, to cancel midway uh, through the right. season. And also the um, make sure uh, I also um, I learned a lesson last year, and this happened last year. Um, always, always, always have a contract with a commercial account because um, last year I had this one particular account, and, and I mean it paid decent, and I had them for almost it was almost coming up to the year mark, and I, I somehow I made it through the whole year without a contract. And the guy emailed me um, that morning and said we have another landscaper coming. Um, today and I'm like, well, can I at least finish out the month? Because technically, with commercial, you're supposed to give a 30 days notice. But yeah. that was my mistake. I didn't write a contract, and this happened just as I l- just left the postal service and had this ac- lost. So I lost two commercial accounts last year. One was due to, you know, how commercial accounts are always rotating new landscapers all the time. Yeah. Um. Or at least I know around here, it's like, why can't you just stay with one company? Mm-hmm. They're all. I-, I guess they're trying to find something cheaper. But yeah. With that being said, contracts, um, you know, I I made sure from now on I have a contract and then here's the terms. This is what I, this is the scope of work. Um, and then anything outside the scope will be quoted and can be priced out to do. And, you know, so, Hey, um, that, that's something that was, uh, I should have did last year because it was very frustrating and I, and I, it was probably done on my part to actually call the guy and say, Hey, that, and I said, Hey, um, Honestly, man, with all due respect, that was kind of low down to just kind of, you know, have another company come in um, the same day instead of calling me and giving me a 30 days notice. I mean, because these guys know the rules. They should know that. But anyway, that was my fault. I didn't have it in writing. But going forward, that's what I will do. Um, So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those. Again, one of those examples where uh, when I, you know, every time I interview somebody, I always ask them if they do commercial, if they do residential, uh, what they prefer and stuff like that. And uh, for me, uh, I used to do a lot of both. I now focus uh, mostly on residential. Um, I've I've got maybe one commercial property. Um, okay. and, and that's it. I don't like doing commercial. And the commercial property that I do have, I took them on after literally three years in a row of them calling me, asking me to go quote their property. And I kept turning them down. And then finally I kind of, I relented and was like, okay, I'll come look at it sort of thing. Right. Um, and they'll take you in and spit you out like a whale. Yeah. yeah, they, They, and that's, that has been my experience up until this point, although it hasn't been fully smooth. Um, but they have been mm-hmm. around for six years now that I've been doing that property. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not always the smoothest. They, they are the ones um, that will try to pull things at times, like canceling service last minute. If they, if they deem that the lawn doesn't need cutting or stuff, and it's like you waited for me to show up and be here to cancel <laughs> service or tell me it doesn't need a cut. It's like I've loaded all the equipment come out here specific and with that property it really kind of perturbs me sometimes when they try to pull that stuff because yeah um i use specific mowers on that property so i'm going back home oh yeah to load that machine to take there and then they're waiting till i get there to say right so it's like okay so for for me it's one of those things where i just have learned to I always uh, go by uh, that sort of saying of, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard it, uh, pay me now or pay me later uh, is one of those things, right? So it's like, if you don't right. want to pay me now, 
that's fine, but you're going to pay me later for today. Uh, basically, <laughs> I'm going to make it up in a future service. And so I don't let it, I'm like a water off a duck's back now, right? It's like for, for those particular ones, it's just like one of those things where it's like, okay, that's fine. But, um, you know, I was going to keep your price the same for next year, but now you're getting a price increase for that sort of PETA factor, that pain in the rear factor uh, of you guys pulling stuff like that. Now you're going to pay me incrementally more each time I'm here because of these last minute cancellations that you guys do uh, sort of thing. Right. So it's just one of those things that uh, you start to, what is it? Uh, it's nothing personal. It's just business sort of thing, right? Sure. That you, sure. you kind of learn over the years. But yeah, I generally stay away from commercial properties. I just don't like them just because of that, where I find yep. residential just so much more loyal. Um, and, you know, they don't ask me anything anymore. Like the clients that I have, they don't ask me how much a something costs they just ask me to if i can That's do nice. something if i have the time to do it and i say yeah i'll put it on the list i don't even promise them when i'm doing it um right and you know i just such a you know that relationship is just built over time uh that trust sure. factor and stuff right and it's just you know they know i'm not going to rip them off <laughs> and i'm going to do you know a good job and all that sort of stuff and they get so mm, all of my clients are like that except for that commercial one <laughs> the, the oh only, yeah and it's one of those ones where it's just like oh so you've had that that same sort of experience eh, with commercial yeah 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 it's uh like i said it's frustrating and i had uh, i remember i had um last summer um someone called me to they subcontract. I have one company that will subcontract work out and, um, it's actually somewhat profitable because I don't have too much overhead. Um, far as like, you know, cause it's just, like I said, it's just two of us, uh, in this company and, um, you know, the subcontract worked out pretty well for it. But the thing that was bad about it, it wasn't a contract. They only wanted, um, these commercial properties. They only wanted, for like, I think for the month. And I was like, what about next month? And I was like, it was just like a month to month kind of thing. And then I finally just cut it off. And like I said, it's just like, uh, and then next thing I saw some other company at the same property, I was just at like two months ago. And I'm like, well, the guy said that they were the company that the, the, the the commercial property was taking care of their own lawn maintenance within. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that's, that's false because I see another landscape company there. So they're still hiring someone else and not actually the company itself the commercial uh, property um you know is paying people hourly to to maintain their own property they're hiring somebody on the outside i'm like what the crap so i was i was just kind of frustrated about that and i'm like you know you're right uh, i think i think the residential my personal opinion is less of a headache sometimes because mm -hmm. not always not all cases Yep. Because there are some of those pain the butt people residential yep. that will have that commercial um, behavior, if you will, mm -hmm. and will be like, "Well, while you're here, can you do this and this? and then I'm like, no, no, no. I, I mean, I'm not doing all this extra stuff for free. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't, I don't say it like that, but I'll just explain to a customer, like, "Well, I'll be happy to quote that, that, and that for you." Yep. Um, but it's it's kind of like that sometimes. But residential, you build over the long term relationship with people um and you know i've had some some clients i've had for you know four well about almost four years now some some of them that, that i've been in business i've still had mm -hmm. which is good yeah that, that's but awesome. i can't i can't think of one commercial account that i've had since i've been in business that i've kept i think just my church that's about it but you know that's, that's a different story so mm -hmm. um 
but that's about the only commercial account I can think of that I've had for the longest. Yeah. Um, so the one, the one nice thing I will say of having those kind of negative experiences with uh, commercial, uh, for me at least, is um, and me just enjoying residential more, is that yeah. when I do get commercial uh, properties that want me to quote and stuff, I just don't care anymore. Like I have no vested interest in them anymore. So it's like, okay, I'll quote you, but it's all on my terms. So like it's yep. all credit card on file. I'm not giving you an invoice and you take oh, nice. 60 days to pay. And I even had, you know, some pushback on one of them. And I was like, that's fine. Like, but I, Oof. I will only do it with credit card on file. You, I know you guys have a credit card. Every business is going to have a credit card. I've thought about it, but I just, I'm just kind of, well, it, I would say it is a good move. I guess I'm kind of scared to do that because I'm uh, of losing clientele, but it is a good way to secure in, lock in your payment. And, yep. and then that shows the customer, the, the true real customer that actually appreciates you doing that will say, well, this guy's really serious. I think he's actually going to show up and actually do the work. Yeah. Sure, I'll give you my credit card. But then you got those people like, you're going to steal my identity. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it ain't, it ain't like that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it yeah, is a I've, scary question to ask. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, my experience, the uh, the type of clients that you would want won't mm-hmm. have an issue with it. It's only sure. the clients that have that sort of uh, scarcity mindset of, you know, the sky is falling and, you know, trust <laughs> issues and stuff like this are the ones that are going to push yeah. back on, no, I don't want to give you my credit card and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, well are you going to your local grocery store and not putting your credit card in there? And you're not, you know, like uh, there's very few people that are not using credit cards anymore. Um, You know, maybe 20 years ago, that might've been more as, you know, credit cards weren't, but now it's like, it's just mainstream, right? It's it's, right. So it's everything is paid, you know, with some sort of credit card on file or whatever the case may be, right? I don't know where, where you guys are at um, in terms of like utility bills and things like, like I pay for everything. Everything's on credit card, uh, right? So yep. I think it's kind of just yep. the norm now. Um, so I I see that the same when I'm quoting, a, I don't care if you're a residential customer or a commercial customer, I need your credit card on file before we start working, right? And uh, the, the, one, the, com- the one commercial one that I have, that I said that they kind of give me problems once in a while. It's credit card on file. I've had them for, like I said, about six years. And then um, another one was a whole like entire like mall. And it was like, well, you guys are hiring me. I know you have, you have to have a credit card for this place. And yeah. you know, sure enough, after some poking and prodding, they gave me a credit card when I was like, you know, uh, not threatening, but I was like, you know, that's fine. If you guys don't want to do credit card, you'll just have to find somebody else to do it. Right. And then they finally relented and were like, right. okay, here's a credit card. Right. And it was like, okay, there you go. Uh, so I haven't had, uh, like I said, uh, the clients that would totally push back on it are the types of clients that I probably wouldn't want anyways. Uh, so it's one of those, one of those things I, I would not, if I couldn't accept credit cards in my lawn care business, I would not do my lawn care business anymore is, is how oh, much, wow. how much it's changed the whole chasing money. And, you know, cause I would have sure. in the beginning, some clients where they were really good clients at times, but you know, people have issues. Sometimes people, you know, run into things and they forget to pay or whatever the case would be. And it's like, now you're chasing money. You're go- and it's like, 
I, I debt did collector. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's not my job. My job is not debt collector. My job is mowing your lawn, doing the gardening, all the stuff that you agreed to do for the price that I quoted you for. So I deserve to be paid once that's all done. Um, my uncle calls it robbing the bank. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of those things, right? And once I put my foot down and yeah. said, you know what? It's across the board. Every client mm-hmm. has to be credit card on file. There's no exceptions. I don't take cash. I don't take checks. It's credit card for everybody. It completely sure. changed the business. And I was like, oh, this is like, I would never do it again any other way. For me personally, it's like, it's so worth the little percentage or whatever, because that's a, a business write-off anyways. It works against my taxes. So it's like, I'm totally fine with paying the percentage, but it the headaches and stress that it alleviates knowing that at the end of the month i just put their credit card through it gets charged done Uh, money's in my bank account the next day it's like totally totally a a game changer so were you able to then during that uh first year you must have increased the amount of clients you got Uh, were you able to do that just as lawn mowing clients were you just taking on more projects yeah, well, it, it was a little bit of both. Like I tried Google ads for a little bit and I was like, I think I only picked up maybe two residential clients out of the Google ads. Um, <clears throat> but it really wasn't worth, um, for me to Google ads wasn't working too much for me or what I was doing with it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was picking up, I would say probably a lot, a lot more projects, okay. uh, than actual like long term or should I say lawn maintenance clients? Okay. Um, I mean, like I said, there was, there was some subcontracting uh, going on last year that I was picking up some subcontract jobs, uh, that were, you know, do some, I mean, talking about easy peasy, like going to the property, maybe like a little bit of weed control, maybe a little bit of, um, I mean, some of these commercial properties were, were just super easy. They're, I mean, it was like midsummer, the grass wasn't growing that much and you'd probably, you know, mow it maybe every two weeks or something. So there was, there was just a lot of, I would just, in a nutshell, just pickups. There's just a lot of pickups, like projects to make a lump sum of change. Cause I remember one month I was like, wow, I made that one month of revenue. Well, not that I made that, but I brought that much revenue in for the, for the month. Yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, it was just incredible. And I was just able to stash back. And, you know, like I said, going forward, I hope we're able to take a lot more, projects on like that because i like doing the mulch projects I, and every year i'm getting smarter and smarter at how to manage um let's say we're doing you know 60 70 yards of mulch i'm getting smarter and smarter every year on how to manage um those projects and get them done efficiently so we're being profitable uh, after we rent machinery if we have to rent it or hire some help or whatever the case may be. So when there are big projects like that, we, you know, we tend to have to hire help. Yeah. And, um, I haven't thought about subcontracting work out cause it's already hard enough trying to find someone to show up to help you, yeah. let alone trying to find a contractor that's going to be reliable to come, um, or, or even do the job, right. The subcontract it to. So that's just another headache in itself. And if that's what I would be doing subcontracting, I would, I would be sitting in the office just calling people all day trying to um, get people to go do jobs and subcontracting them out. But you have to do that in volume, like a lot of volume. As as a lawn maintenance guy, um, and you know this, I mean, to do lawn maintenance, you have to do it in volume to make profit. So, But subcontracting yard maintenance, you have to do a lot of volume. Mm -hmm. And even if you're doing any kind of stuff, lots of volume, 
to be profitable as an office guy and a subcontract out unless you're doing like fencing or patios or decks or something like that and subcontracting out. You might make a pretty penny if you're subcontracting out a lot of jobs, but it's just a matter of where do you find those jobs and how do you find those kind of jobs? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I would say the the only caveat there um, with what you were saying that I have found is targeting the right types of properties. Um, For me personally, um, I will, I know like when you look at all these other guys on YouTube and stuff like that, you know, it's all about Uh big zero turn mowers and big properties. And if you're in an area where that (laughs) is like the normal, then that's what you got to do. But for me, sure. Doing small city properties, push mowing, that's where the money, that is the money all day long. That is so profitable that I can do, you know, your average residential suburban, you know, 7,000 square foot property. The lawn is probably 2,000 square feet. Um, I can push mow that and make $50, $60. Whereas, you know, if I get onto that commercial property... And it might be an acre, acre and a half of lawn that I'm cutting, and I'm you know doing maybe $130 for that. And it's like there, <laughs> yeah. there's this there's this upper level when you get to those big properties that people will pay, where the right. the smaller properties I can really push that envelope and make way more profit on equipment that um, you know obviously I'm fortunate enough now to be working with brands that send me equipment and stuff. So I get to test stuff, but even even in those, even in those earlier years when I was buying mowers and stuff, it was a heck of a lot cheaper to buy 21 inch mowers and make, you know, that much profit on those lawns versus uh, thousands of dollars for a zero turn mower and make less profit. Right. It was like, and that's where I like with those bigger properties, I found that like you would have to do a ton of these to make it worth it when you consider the cost of equipment and all that stuff versus the push mower, man, that's money all day long. <laughs> and like- that's another good point that you're saying right there in regards to zero turn. Like, uh, I remember, uh, I want to say, was it last summer? It was the summer before last, um, uh, 2022 summer. I was riding around, uh, doing a property, going to a property. And I saw this one guy that had his logo on the side of his trailer. I seen him around town. And I, and I looked in his trailer as I was driving by, and I noticed he had an Exmark Quest 42-inch. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, that's a residential mower. Mm-hmm. So I backed my trailer up in my truck, and I was like, excuse me, are you the are you the owner of this business? He's like, yes. And I was like, why do you have a residential mower sitting in there? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it's a nice mower. It's beautiful. But with all due respect, why are you using a residential mower? And he's like, more profit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well think about it. If you go buy a mower like this, I mean, you're probably, you're walking out spending four grand on this mower. But if you go out and buy a 42 inch in a radius series or, or a, you know, the laser series, you're in the ballpark of seven all the way up to $14,000 just for, um, I guess you could say entry level commercial grade mower with the four year warranty. Um, you're not getting a four year warranty on the quest, but he said, think about it. I mean, you, you can do a lot of yards with the, with this mower and, you know, God forbid it breaks down in a year or two, you're not out much money. Mm-hmm. You, you buy a, uh, a, a, you know, eight to $10,000 zero turn, you know? So I thought about that and then I was like, you know what? I ended up went and got one myself. I mean, I would, I love to have a commercial zero turn. Um, soon I'm looking at the, um, the Ferris mo I'm between the Ferris, 
uh, Z1, and then I'm between that one and the X Mark. Uh, I think it's the Star Series or the Stand On. Yeah. Um, so I can do a lot of the, right. Maybe do a lot of residentials with the 36. Just get the smaller one, either mm-hmm. 32 or 36 Stand On, and then try to find something on you know either Facebook Marketplace or, or um, somewhere in the market for a a good used uh, 60 inch uh, zero turn sit down or, or stand on for the commercial properties whenever it gets that point mm-hmm. for growth in the commercial side of things. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think definitely when you're starting out um, residential equipment can be that bridge between, um, you know, getting an expensive commercial piece of equipment. Um, it can also sure. be a permanent solution if uh, you know, you're doing limited amounts of, you know, so I would say whatever your mix of properties is, if you're doing like, say, um, like for, I'll take my example. So if 90% of my properties are push mower jobs and I've got, uh, but I'm in an area that does have some bigger properties and stuff and I don't want to turn down that work, I would say buy commercial for the 21 inch more or the 30 inch more, and then maybe Mm -hmm. residential for that one or two big lawns you're going to do a week. Uh, to sure. have something like that, right? Because uh, it's not going to get as much use and stuff like that. If it's flipped, if it's like, well, you've got 90% of your properties are the big stuff, then I would say go commercial on that and residential for your 21-inch or 30-inch push mower if you're only just doing yep. a handful or just a couple of backyards or whatever the case sure. may be, right? Um, so I think it can still be a permanent solution depending on the scenario. Um, but in the beginning, it can definitely bridge that gap. I've used... Oh, yeah. um, John Deere uh, Home Depot tractors uh, for years. Uh, my brother-in-law, who runs his lawn care business, uh, the same amount. He's eighteen years in. He still uses John Deere tractors um, for huh. his for his bigger properties and stuff. Um, the caveat there is that uh, for us, there is a John Deere dealer nearby. Uh, and you can get all of the parts for those John Deere tractors, those even those residential ones. Yeah. So it's had a ton of repairs. I think he's gone through like three transmissions and things like that um, over the wow. years. But he's he's used it, you know, for many many years. Um, so it's it's yeah. one of those things. But it's a little bit different scenario here because of all the rain we get. The tractors are just so lightweight that they don't rut. Oh yeah. And stuff, right? So it's a little bit different scenario. Why he prefers those over using commercial uh, ones because he can mow in the rain and all that stuff with it and it doesn't uh, damage the lawn and stuff like that like some commercial uh, mowers might but yeah there's definitely different uh, uh, mixes and stuff like that so you uh, just before we wrap yeah. up because we've been talking for about an hour and stuff I, uh, you you mentioned projects and stuff so and uh, like bark mulch and things like that so what other sort of uh, besides the lawn mowing uh, what other sort of projects have you been doing uh, the past year um, well, we did, I remember we did a, um, uh, we did some sort of side job last year, um, and some irrigation repairs. Uh, my step, my stepson has, a, um, some guys that he's in contact with that, that are irrigation guys. And we just kind of, um, go out there and, um, whenever I run across those kind of jobs, we'll, we'll, um, link up together and talk about it and, um, come up with a game plan and, and hire these guys out and I'll pay my stepson, uh, a good chunk of change mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, for some of these good paying jobs, uh, take good care of them. And, uh, cause he's family yeah. and, and then, um, yeah, that, that's, that's one of the projects we did last year. I think it was about, 
I'm gonna say it was seven pallets a side or something. Nice. And we, we knocked it out pretty quick. I mean, we had a group of guys, I hired a group of guys to come out and do that. Um, and my dad, I remember my dad told me one thing. He said, um, make sure you pay as you go until, you know, you actually have, you know, a, a few employees or whatever. So just whenever you have, in other words, what my dad was trying to say is, um, just keep doing your thing until you grow. And then when you're able to afford a whole, you know, one or two crews, then, you know, you, you get to that bridge, but you know, you just pay as you go until you find the help to get the projects and you need to get done to help your business grow, just pay as you go, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yep. Yep. And Absolutely. I'll always shoot them a W nine and, or I can't remember which form it is. Uh, we're in tax season, W nine or, or whatever form it is yep. <laughs> to the uh, person that you're hiring out to help you. Um, so yeah, yeah. um, those projects and then just some mulch we did, uh, uh, a few mulch, you know, a few mulch jobs, rubber mulch, rubber black mulch, red mulch, just all kinds of stuff like that. Pine straw. Uh, I think I did, uh, it was about a hundred bales of pine straw. I remember doing a job last year, last summer. Um, what else? Just stuff like that. And I, I actually enjoy those jobs cause they actually pay more. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm doing some of those projects and I'm finishing up in half a day and sometimes I'll make more in half a day when I'm making a whole day. But then I'm still making more in a half a day than what I'm almost making a week at the postal service. Well, not I'm making that, but how much revenue I'm bringing in. And after, I mean, I'm still doing way more than what I'm, you know, in those yeah, yeah. Uh, projects. So, yeah, um, looking forward to more of those this year. Yeah, very cool. I tell you, I, I'm going to have to, at some time in the future, I don't know when it will be, I'm going to have to fly somewhere to see a pine straw job in person. <laughs> Well, you can definitely fly down here to Charleston, South Carolina. I'll show you long leaf or long, not long leaf, long needle pine straw all day long. There you go. <laughs> like, I, and I'll show you what we do here. We we fluff and tuck it, make that nice, beautiful, fluffy border. Uh, I don't know how everybody else does it. Some people have the edger, the little uh, hand. Yeah. How do you call it? It's like on a stick yep. and you, you poke the edge to yep. cl- cut the edge with it. Um, I tuck my nail with the blower. Um, it works just as good. So yeah, nice. yeah, you definitely can fly down here and check that. I think yeah, one, one of those things as a as a northerner, yeah. I just can't wrap my head around. <laughs> I have never I seen can't as a southerner. Anything. Yeah, it's just like what the heck you're putting pine straw. I don't in like your pine straw. <laughs> I don't. I don't like pine straw. I don't ever suggest it. I just go with what a client says. I always suggest rocks. I yeah. like white rocks or. Um, they're, they're more expensive, but you don't have to replace them every year. So, yeah. but yeah, pine straw is a pain, man. It's just, uh, when you're installing it, you get all these, um, bumps on your arms and, and then it attracts roaches and whatever else, mm-hmm. uh, that's in, in the yard. And it's just, it, it to me, I think pine straw is hideous and you got to replace it every year. Um, you could probably replace it, uh, every like, like twice a year, the way it deteriorates, deteriorates so fast. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I don't know. It's just, it's a Southern thing. I don't understand it either. And then there's the pine bark mulch, okay. uh, which is literally like bark off the pine tree. Yep. And they put, and that is, that's kind of hard to come by sometimes. That material is a little more pricey because, well, I haven't shopped for it lately, but I know last year I had a hard time trying to find that, that kind of material. Yeah. Stuff like but that. We have uh, bark mulch, mm-hmm. like that's normal bark mulch. We've got 
tons of that here. We're, you know, it's temporal rainforest. It's Pacific Northwest. It's all uh, pine and fir trees and stuff, right? For acres and acres and acres of wilderness, right? There's tons of of uh, pine yeah. and and, and uh, bark mulch and all that sort of stuff available. Uh, but pine straw is just not a thing here. Uh, it's just one of those one of those <laughs> things. So, uh, if uh, last question for you, uh, if you know, thinking about this past year, switching, going full time, uh, is there anything that you would have done differently? What, and what do you mean, far as that question? In, what in would going, going full time, is there something that you, looking back, that you think you could have done better to prepare yourself for going full time, or, or okay, something Very like good. that? Sure. Yeah, I would. I probably would have. Uh, I. I, I can't. They always say, people always say it's the most common thing said, I, I wish I would have done it sooner. Mm. Um, you know, cause it, it was great and all. I felt like I was getting a career going, starting in the postal service and I was going to make a good life for myself. And, you know, before that I, I, I was a school teacher for about three years teaching Spanish. Mm. So that wasn't, uh, that was going to be a career, but the pay was so small. Mm. So I was like, I'm out. And plus, they want all these certifications. I have a bachelor's degree of Spanish uh, in the Spanish in the in the Spanish arts, so that's where I learned to speak Spanish and, and my my language skill. So, uh, like I said, that I feel like I, I should have done it sooner. Um, but you know, I had six years in the postal service. You know, but we always look back and we say, you know, your past, your past, and you just need to focus on your present and 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 move forward stronger and learn from your past. I can't dwell on say uh, you know oh I should have did this three years ago but you know hey we're in the we're in the now and we have to just press forward so uh, I, I probably pre- could have prepared myself a little better by um, learning more about finances and learning more about uh, business and how it works because I, I bluntly honestly can say like the first I said the first three years I didn't know of having of of far as spending the mm-hmm. money you have your personal account your business account and i was using the business card on things that weren't tax write-offs or should i say weren't things that you could write off in for the business and i was using it more on like okay we're going to the the arcade with the kids this weekend okay use the business card well you can't really write the arcade off um at, on, on your your card oh i'm gonna go buy groceries with a business card. No, you have to separate that. And that's another thing I, I feel like I should have uh, learned a little bit more about too, before I went into doing the business too, because I thought, well, I'm going to go work for myself. So I'm going to pay myself. No, you create this monster or what you call a business. And then you put yourself on that payroll and then you pay yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's what I sh- wish I would have learned sooner. So mm-hmm. with all that being said, you know, learn from it and now it's just push forward in 2024 and and uh nothing but success yeah <laughs> absolutely uh so how can uh people uh follow you online if they're so inclined to sure um I, on instagram uh my lawn barber and then uh I, i'm really trying to push the youtube channel uh we're we're uh, promoting milwaukee a lot of milwaukee stuff a lot of unboxings of the for the landscape professional. So if you're thinking about getting into Milwaukee for, um, the landscaping tools, don't think anymore, just go on there, check out some of the, 
the tools that we uh, are promoting for review, string trimmers, push mower, um, shears, anything you can almost think of for the land, landscape professional, uh, YouTube, uh, the lawn barber, you'll see a patch of green grass at the bottom with the black background and, and, uh, the red letters. So yeah. And then, um, uh, TikTok, not really hardly too much going on over there, but like I said, YouTube's the biggest following. Awesome. So thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show for a second time. Yeah, and thank you, dude. I appreciate your time, man. It was a pleasure as always. Awesome. So there you have it, Lawn Care Nation. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that value-packed uh, interview with uh, Andrew Kybeflesh from uh, the Lawn Barber LLC. I'll leave some links in the podcast show notes to where uh, you can follow him. Make sure you go to his uh, YouTube channel and subscribe there. Uh, like I said, he's doing a lot of uh, videos uh, with uh, Milwaukee, uh, also in Spanish uh, as well, doing Spanish versions of those videos uh, if you're interested in uh, checking those out. So uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.